we are only technically limited by how much data servers we need to cater. We are not limited by physical space. We could buy and sell anything as long as it can be digitalized. The market capitalization or market growth potential is unlimited. Welcome to the Payments Powerhouses podcast, where we discuss current trends with the movers and shakers in the fintech industry, brought to you by 2C2P, Asia's leading payment solutions provider. Hello, I'm Suhan, and thank you for joining me in another episode of Payments Powerhouses. Our guest today is Jerry Wee, the Director of Digital Goods from 2C2P. So Jerry is a multidisciplinary leader who has built and sold his own business, has an entrepreneur, drove strategic expansions for leading e-commerce platforms, and is now heading the digital goods and services vertical at 2C2P. Welcome to the show, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you, Suhan. Thank you for inviting. So I've heard that uh, you are a gamer. Can you tell us some of your favorite video games? I guess video game is the wrong term nowadays. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, most of the people are playing uh, on their mobile instead. I used to play Mobile Legend until obviously my partner told me I'm spending too much time on it. Occasionally, I still play a little bit of it. Not very popular yet in Asia. It's called Slam Dunk. And of course, uh, when I was younger, like Final Fantasy series is definitely one of those things that I love. Nowadays, I probably could only afford playing Candy Crush uh, while waiting for partners to get ready, you know. As you can tell, I'm not really much of a gamer. My last uh, association is probably Nintendo 64, PlayStation. So, do you consider mobile games as digital goods? It's up to interpretation, of course. I wouldn't say it's a digital goods product, but I would say it is, of course, a digital entertainment that has been delivered to the uh, general public. Nowadays, there are more and more gamers themselves, not just trying to play game, they also spend in the game. The gamers will often want their virtual character to be looking nicer, using better equipment. A lot of people are also gifting virtual products to their friends, their colleagues and fellow gamers as well to help them grow within a game or as a gesture. They will be willing to purchase digital products created inside the game itself. My role in Tosurubi and obviously within the industry, there is a lot of services and companies out there to support the developers and publishers to resell this product back to the general public. So in a sense, digital goods and services can be quite broad, right? It could be accessories or products that you buy in-game. What other forms of items do you consider digital goods and services as well? By definition, digital goods and services has a very broad term. Depending on the industry players, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, you could define it differently as well. It just simply means something that is not physical in nature. So in the world of 2C2P, any electronic gift cards, electronic tickets, food vouchers, online subscription, these are all digital product and services. In some occasions, it stretches all the way even until digital solutions like invoicing platforms or even digital payment platforms. So I cover quite a fair bit of things in my job. Yeah, speaking of jobs, right? So let's dig back into your career history. Before you get into your current role, what was life before then? I started my career right out from school in the logistics space, which 
one of the last industry to be digitalized. In fact, even until today, digitalization effort in the logistics and shipping industry has been pretty slow. I moved from a logistician to an entrepreneur. I started my own business as a recruiting agency where I kind of introduced talents to companies. That is actually when I first came across the tech and e-commerce industry. So a lot of my clients are startups, technological companies. This opened my whole new world to how digitalization helps the companies to become more efficient and grow the user base, etc. and such. So today, because it's a very gray space, there is a lot of different aspects of digital goods business that we could look into. I do manage something that is quite unique in our company. I manage the end-to-end business cycle, starting from the commercial business development all the way down to the operations and even tech development. Typically, even as a mature organization, I ask we separate the tech development and the commercial businesses. But in my current role, we focus very much on consolidating everything because given that this space is continually evolving, we do need to have an end-to-end view on how do we keep up with the innovation, how do we go from sales development and feedback all the way back to what are the things that we should be enhancing and building onto our products so that we could better serve the market. So how do you actually got into digital goods and services then? How do you land yourself into to C2P? My last role in my previous company, I was also handling the digital goods category as a category director. So I handle predominantly on a commercial aspect on how do we expand the digital goods category and help to grow more users for the platform and increase the sales of digital goods product in the platform. About a year ago, when Ong spoken to me, he shared with me his ambition on how he wanted to grow digital goods business in Southeast Asia. In fact, he actually wanted to grow this globally. Southeast Asia was just a starting point. So I was very attracted by the ambition. We have the same thinking, same mindset. And there I am here today, helping him to achieve this particular goal that he has in mind that we spoke about a year back. So in your role now, digital goods and services actually is quite broad, right? In terms of your target businesses, what are the key categories we look at? We do try to reach out to businesses and also consumer. And in fact, in the businesses space, we do separate ourselves in reaching out to big enterprise or even SME businesses. So Tosubi serves as a solution provider to help different enterprises to expand their reach to the market. While we also serve consumer directly, we help to provide the best deals or the best product to the consumer through our capabilities to provide a better deals to the consumer at the end of the day. Moving forward in the next couple of years, we will very much focus our product innovation closely towards the SME segment. Every company defines SME segment differently. In our world, what we are truly targeting are players who are basically under 1 million revenue per se that allow us to help them grow their businesses in the longer run by providing our services and solutions to them and minimize their cost when they grow their business. You touch on product innovations targeting SMEs. Could you cite specific examples of what do you mean by that? There are quite a few. Today, let's say you are a mom and pop shop down in Indonesia. In order for you to attract more people coming to your store in the traditional way, you will have to do some form of marketing, throw out some discounts, offer so much more assortment. Plus, it means that you need a bigger space. So these are extremely costly measures 
how we help them is digital goods are selling, sell our digital inventory without them needing to actually do any form of tech enhancement, expand their storefront. The only thing they do need is just a mobile device that has an internet connection that gives them the access to more than 350 different pillars. So for example, you could imagine these mom and pop shops today start offering bill payments. Consumer who generally goes to another place, today they could just go to the uh, mom and pop shop, which is just down the road, to make their bill payment. At the same time, shop for grocery before they get back home. So it will definitely bring a lot more convenience to the general public. Yet they could use this service to basically attract consumer and also make an earning by receiving the commission of the sale. So we do have other products and services. Like for example, we have a invoicing platform that helps the small SMEs as well to better manage and collect payments from their users. Do you see any countries that's doing this successfully? And do you see the trend continue to spread across the region? We are pretty new in Southeast Asia, which means that uh, this whole technology or this whole product are still evolving in the region. One proven example that we are replicating upon is our success in Myanmar. We have been in the market for approximately three years in Myanmar. We have more than 60,000 retail points that is already being established in Myanmar. Predominantly, these are mom and pop shops. At least 20 to 30,000 of them are small, individually owned retailers. And where they see their business growing, in turn helping to sort of be business to grow as well. We started to see the likes of the markets like Philippines starting to get a lot more traction. And the next phase, we are definitely aiming to grow our Indonesia and Vietnam market, which is very much similar in nature. Using that same model, we are definitely want to help more SMEs customers to grow their business as well. Offline to online, the experience is seamless, right? You're going to a mom and pop shop to buy a carton of milk or you're going to top up your mobile or even to buy gaming credits as well. Uh, you can access at one single point. Exactly. The second example that you spoke about, what is wrong with the current bill payment process? Why is there a need to innovate? Okay, so uh, this is an interesting conversation. Majority of our audience might not actually understood why it is so critical or important. Yes. So maybe I have to roll back times to say the 80s or 90s. Paying your bills means taking hours of your day, queuing up at post office or bank counters. This whole digitalization of bill payment not only has completely changed how individuals make payments for their bills, it has also brought down so much time wastage or service wastage. You could imagine most people have wasted three hours of their time trying to pay one single utility bill at a post office. It's not like today, if you digitalize or you consolidate your bills online, you pay through a mobile app or your banking app, etc. So that to me is one of the biggest, I would say the biggest win in the whole digitalization businesses so far that we've seen. Bill payments has been fundamental to every individual. So how do we basically help businesses to further digitalize the collection as well? We recently came out with a new product that supports SMEs. These are companies typically sole proprietors. So it can be a pretty cumbersome process from a business point of view. Imagine today, after completing to repair your television, you pay now the individual businesses $60, but you forgot to put a reference code or whatever. He could have a hard time trying to trace back 
who just paid me $60 and why? And do I have an outstanding bill somewhere? So while he's trying to go out and collect more revenue by repairing more TVs, which is his core expertise, he's wasting a lot of time on this administration of collection of payment and issuing invoices. And, you know, consumer these days are pretty pampered with the payment choices. So we have this new product. Basically, we call it SME Biller for the time being. It helps the SME to digitalize their entire bill collection of invoice generation process. Basically, we collect a small fee for the usage of the platform. We basically manage everything for them as well so that they could focus their time and energy on trying to grow their business rather than be tied down with all this kind of administrative stuff. And it's quite interesting that you pointed out how the gaps and the challenges that businesses face. Like when you think about digitization, you thought about things becoming more seamless and smooth, but in reality, it doesn't really happen all at once. Sometimes it impacts the consumer first, and then the benefit will slowly roll back to the business itself. So different markets have different environment, so different developments in terms of how certain digitization or solution is being applied. Have you seen any market or any sector that has been doing relatively well in terms of digitization? Have you experienced great digital goods and services experience as well? Definitely. I mean, it's always difficult to broadly define Southeast Asia region as one. Every country has their own economic status, language, their regulatories. How do we set a business strategy for a region like this? Obviously, the more mature a country who has pretty much embraced this digitalization of their businesses, they are moving pretty much far ahead. Look at Singapore. We are trying to train or educate our elderly members of the society to embrace technology as well. It's, it's definitely been one of the biggest digitalized economy against the rest of Southeast Asia. And I don't think it's just uniquely Singapore. In fact, to the rest of Southeast Asian countries, this has also brought on a huge amount of impact. This whole digitalization of the economy definitely has, without a doubt, got accelerated by COVID-19. And QR code scanning is potentially the most significant digitalization event throughout the last three years. It's no longer confusing or irrelevant for a business to provide QR code scanning of the e-menu at a restaurant e-menu or e-ordering. I wouldn't say it's rare. There's a lot of companies are trying to do this three, four years back. Like They are facing a hard time because it's like not the most simplified method to ask a consumer to do ordering. But today, everybody's asking for it. Nobody wants to touch a hard copy menu that is like seems to be very dirty, very used and uh, sticky. And likewise, going to the payment counter, you'll be queuing just to make a payment. This has definitely been one of the most interesting enhancement of user experience. Who would have thought that a square pixelated image would be the entry to digitalization of the entire process? Businesses that are looking to adopt digital good solutions, right? What are the major challenges that you have seen so far? How can we help to overcome them? This is a great question. I think. The biggest obstacle that companies are facing when it comes to digitalization has to very much do with their technological capabilities. And that also in turn means that there is obviously a shortage of technological talents. So the boom started, say, 10 years ago, where the economy started to slowly get digitalized. 
most of the schools, the governments only started emphasizing technological education, like say 2015 onwards, the demand continued to increase, the supply are playing catch up. Let's say for SME today, they will never be able to compete for this kind of technological talents or capabilities, right? With that unfair competition against large organizations, you will never be able to groom your talents, grow your talents, or retain your talents to a certain extent, which also means your ability to build your own technology and capabilities will be extremely limited. As an organization like Tuzurubi, we build the capability, provide them the access to it. They just need to learn how to use it, and of course, pay a small fee to allow the access to the system. When we build our product innovation or build our system features, we make sure that this product is easily usable by small companies or individuals which do not need to have huge technological understanding. We also continue to provide the more complex solution for large enterprise, etc. Not discounting the fact on security and personal data issues. By adopting our TCP solutions, this allows SMEs to solve problems with the lack of technological talents and capabilities and give them a peace of mind to grow their business. So other than the, the talent crunch, is there some challenges in terms of convincing businesses to consider or even to implement this solution? There definitely have been resistance, but I would say they are open to exploring. In a lot of other businesses, the larger the business volume, the higher the touch point of their sales team. Given that our focus is very much on SMEs, the lower the business volume, the higher the touch point because we are trying to educate a whole new business segment or whole new industry. Uh, we believe in supporting the SMEs by providing someone to support their journey at the same time helping us because they will provide very valuable feedback. You feel very strongly and passionate about the SMEs as well, partly because you started off as an SME yourself too, right? Yeah, definitely. I started my business in 2008, you know, where Lemon Brothers just collapsed and everybody is trying to tighten their pocket. I struggled a lot during the initial phase. I was always wishing for something that caters to me. Obviously today, things a lot has changed. Even SAP, one of the biggest accounting or software solution provider today, has, has dedicated solutions for SMEs. I want to switch topics a little. I want to talk about mobile games. I understand there is a loyalty program by 2C2P for games. What is it about and what can we do with that? I think gaming world has been pretty fascinating. This world has obviously been growing like crazy. 2C2P also started to innovate in this particular virtual space. I would say we are not there. We wouldn't have a full solution suite for the virtual world today. But we are starting. And in fact, we started this program late last year. Easy points is 2C2P digital currency governed by 2C2P to allow gamers to do transactions within the game. In-game currency are not interchangeable between gaming platforms. We have created inter-exchangeable gaming currency. Ultimately, we are a payment solutions company. Whatever we are doing on the front end is no different from all the products that we have to basically help gaming developers and gamers to have a more seamless or easier payment process or payment journey. We could even extend the use case beyond gaming to make it an open loop digital currency. 
for now, we focus on serving the gaming industry and helping them to digitalize their payment journey, cut away inefficiency and operational costs. And also, most importantly, to enhance the loyalty aspect of it as well. Given that Easy Points is a sort of a loyalty program, does it mean that you can only get it on 2C2P platform? Or can you also purchase uh, Easy Points as well? We see very strong adoption of Easy Points in our Myanmar market. Even our competition are using or accepting our digital currency that is already circulating within the market. That says a lot about the strength of this concept of the digital currency. When there is sufficient usage, there is sufficient adopters, and we will definitely wanted to get more acceptance across different merchants and developers for them to enjoy the ecosystem that we're going to build. EasyPoints is a technology. There's no real fixed nature. If any companies who would like to explore having their own points or currency rebate kind of system, we could do a plug and play. We can totally give them the access to the system, have their own points or own system being created and tap on our distribution network to sell it away. We carry the tech burden for them and let them use the services. And I always feel that your vertical is kind of the, the fun space. You not only touch on digital goods, you touch on games. And I think when we think about the future, you think about all the buzzwords, you mentioned crypto as well. Would you say NFT is a form of digital goods? Definitely, I will classify NFT as digital goods. MasterCard has defined uh, NFT as digital goods. This definition changes a lot of things. The issue now is, in some economy, NFT are still deemed as cryptocurrency. As such, it does not allow a financial digital transaction to take place. NFT are today generally being bought using a cryptocurrency or sold via a cryptocurrency. But it does not stop the fact that NFT could, in future, be transacted via fiat using real-world fiat currency. Well, companies like Tusudubi, we resell digital goods, right? So with this definition change, it technically allowed us to start buying and selling NFT using fiat, as long as we use the right process in the right country. It doesn't actually changes the fundamental buying and selling principle. The only obstacle I will potentially see with this new form of digital goods is how to detach NFT from pure crypto transactions and yet be able to achieve the same effects of being registered on a blockchain and allow each individual to hold NFT just like a digital goods itself. So I guess with the emergence of NFT, the emergence of blockchain application as well, it has added a new dimension in terms of how the industry has been shaped. What do you think the future will look like for this space, digital goods and services? Extremely exciting, <laughs> but there's tons of uncertainty and a lot of implicating factors and for the whole digital goods services world. We are only technically limited by how much data servers we need to cater. We are not limited by physical space. We could buy and sell anything as long as it can be digitalized. The market capitalization or market growth potential is unlimited. The harsh reality of the whole industry is government intervene, industry adoption, consumer behavior. There's still loads of work to do by different parties. 
governments, business users themselves to start to embrace this whole digitalization. So it relies a lot on how the whole players or stakeholders within this whole industry to start working together and progressively start moving forward. The future sounds really exciting. Eventually become like a giant marketplace. You can transact any types of goods that's been digitized. I'd like to end with the talent crunch in the tech and fintech space. Do you have any advice for someone looking to get into the space itself or looking to switch? Regardless of industry, having that resilience and the sense of responsibility is extremely important. You are going to face tons of challenges and difficulties on a daily basis. Even when I do hiring today, I assess the individual's resilient capability because it's not going to be a walk in the park. And the sense of responsibility for me individually, I think is very important. No business can grow without having trust working with each other. When people have trust in you, you will spend the best effort even though maybe results might not always be there. With that, I thank you so much for your time, Jerry, for taking the time out to share your insight. You've learned a lot today and we hope to speak to you sometime in the near future. Thank you for coming. No problem. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like and subscribe. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook or Twitter. To read more about this conversation, go to 2c2p.com slash blog.